0: You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmen podcast. Well, happy Easter and welcome to Trace Church online. We are absolutely thrilled that you're here with us today. Now we would have hoped that we would have been gathering together for Easter, but I don't think any of us could predict could have predicted this, but We're grateful that we can connect with you this way in your homes this morning. And so once again, happy Easter. Hey, my name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new to Trace, we'd love to know who you are. All you have to do is to write in the the post that you're watching right now, whether YouTube or Facebook, Uh, just write uh, new to Trace, hashtag new to Trace. And we'd love to reach out to you and say hi and answer any questions that you might have. Well, guys, I don't think any of us could have predicted this, right? I mean, I believe the COVID-19 crisis caught us all off guard. And so many of us have been scrambling, trying to figure out like, what is our new normal? And I think in the process of scrambling, trying to figure out like, how do we adjust and how we figure out our new normal, it's possible that we started to focus on the problem. And I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on the problem. I mean, this problem is in front of all of us. All of us have to figure out like, how do we navigate all the change that's coming at us? How do we figure out what our new normal is? And so yes, we need to to adjust to the problem, but I don't think that we should live there. I think we should be focusing on the potential, on how God could use this season of time, this moment in our lives, to adjust and to create and cultivate change within us and just to invite him to lead us into new places when it comes to our faith. Uh, one of the things that I've really appreciated here recently is the innovation and creativity that have come, that's come out of so many of you and so many people on social media. I have laughed more out loud over the last couple of weeks just reading these memes than I can ever remember laughing in the past. And so I wanted to share with you really quick my top 10 when it comes to the memes that I've seen online, beginning with this one. Yes, social distancing world champion, right? Makes a lot of sense. How about this one? I thought this was really cute. Anyone else feel like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? Uh, and there was this virus, and everyone was scared. And then, and then the world ran out of toilet paper. Yeah, and then, and then there was no school for like a month. And then it snowed. And that's like pretty close to what we've experienced. How about this? When Chuck Norris has been exposed to the coronavirus, the coronavirus is now in a fourteen-day quarantine. You got to love the Chuck jokes. When you catch your kids eating a family-sized bag of tortilla chips for breakfast, but then you realize, you know what? I don't, I don't have to cook. Go for it. I'm going to allow it. How about this one? Yeah, it's the new Easter bag, right? It's the new Easter basket. Maybe some of you are like, I would love to get that for Easter this year. What about this? And this was creative, not really a meme, but very creative, right? Instead of trying to grow a plant, somebody's trying to grow some toilet paper. That was creative. I love this one. Saw my neighbor Tammy out early this morning, scraping my kid is a terrific student sticker off her minivan. Guess the first week of homeschooling didn't go so well. Hopefully that's not the same as your experience. Now I debated on whether or not to put this one up because I know it's bad. I get it. It's bad. But for all the kids watching right now, I think they would really appreciate this. What about this? Very creative, 2020 Olympics. I don't know about you, but I'm like mourning over the fact that we're not gonna have the Olympics, but I thought this was creative. Uh, All my Cowboy Dallas fans out there, coronavirus tip. Yeah, just wear a Dallas Cowboy jersey. You won't catch anything. That's good, that's good right there. And this is my favorite one. A lot of you won't get this, but for all my Kentucky fans out there, if COVID-19 was a person, yeah, Leightner, you gotta love that, you gotta love that. But you know what has caught my attention the most? I mean, those things are funny. And we get to laugh at them, but you know what's caught my attention the most? It's how this crisis is opening up opportunities to invite people into the presence of God. I've seen pastors invited to pray on mainstream news networks. I'm watching secular companies and businesses send emails with Bible verses encouraging their staff during this time. I'm watching kids, mine included, that are taking the time to get some chalk and go and write out Bible verses on the sidewalk to encourage people as they take their evening walk. I'm watching entire churches, entire churches show up at hospitals and blaring worship music to encourage the doctors and the nurses, and sometimes even watching the doctors and nurses worship from the rooftop. It's amazing. Guys, it's amazing how we will make room for God when things feel out of our control. It's amazing how people and businesses and governments and hospitals will make room for God when things feel so uncertain. A statement that we make uh, a lot around here at Trace goes something like this. Most of us are like the rest of us. And the reason we believe that that statement is worth repeating is because it reminds us oftentimes that we're not in this struggle alone. The struggle of life, the struggle of temptation, the struggle of brokenness, the struggle of sins. For some of us, the struggle of parenting. And now for the struggle that we find ourselves in with this virus. And something happens, I think, when we are able to identify with other people in a similar struggle. I believe it raises our empathy. One of the things that I'm watching happen that I feel like God is using right now is how we have taken this moment in time to start to think about others in a way that we haven't been thinking of them. I mean, you're, you're like me, probably. So many of us live at a pace in our life that we don't focus on what's happening in other people's lives, even people that we love. But now, since we've kind of been, like we've been told to stop, we've been told to stay in our homes, it's given us this kind of recipe where it's like we have this similar struggle over here and this momentary pause to the chaotic pace of our lives. And when these two have been put together, it's like it's elevated thoughtfulness within us. It's elevated this sense and um, sentiment inside of us to want to check in on other people to see how they're doing. And I don't know about you, but I've gotten a few phone calls over the last couple of weeks where somebody's checked in on me and they just wanted to see like, hey man, how are you doing? And if most of us are like the rest of us, then you're probably like me. Like when somebody thinks of me, I feel valued. And my hope is that's been your experience as well. But just in case, listen to me, just in case it's not been your experience, if nobody hasn't checked in on you, I personally would love to do that this week. I mean that. All you need to do is like, let us know who you are in this post. Or if you wanna email me, I'll show you my email a little bit later. Aaron.Pennington at TraceChurch.com. If you wanna let me know who you are, I will personally follow up with you this week just to check in and see how you're doing and see if there's any way that I can be praying for you. Because everyone, listen to me, everyone needs to feel thought of. I believe a part of God's creation of us is not just to be known, but to know others, to know others and to be known by others. One of the things that we've done here at Trace Church is we put signs around our church that say that we thought of you. And we've thought about like, hey, what are, what are the things that potentially people will forget when they come here that we can provide for them just to let them know that we've thought of them. So whether it's diapers for your kids or snacks for a hangry kid, or maybe you forgot to put on some deodorant, or maybe you forgot to brush your teeth and we offer mints, whatever it may be. We just want you to know that we thought of you. And my hope is that we're going to be able to open up the doors here soon. And you're going to be able to come maybe for the first time to trace. And you can actually see these signs for yourself. Do you know what Easter is? Easter, to a great extent, is God thinking of you. You see, when God sent his son Jesus to a cross, do you know that he had you in mind? Like, he literally literally had you in mind. He actually thought of you when he sent Jesus to a cross to die for our sins. And sometimes what I think we all have the potential to do is we don't make this personal Right? When we read verses like, for God so loved the world, like the world that he gave his one and only son, and that Jesus died for the sins of all mankind, and these kind of big, huge, broad statements that it potentially causes us to not make this personal. To not remember that Jesus actually thought of you when he went to a cross. Out of the billions of people who will walk this earth before Jesus comes back, God thought of you personally when he sent Jesus to die on a cross. And if you fail to make this personal, listen to me, if you fail to make this personal, you will miss how deep the Father's love is for you, personally. And so just in case you need to be reminded this morning, can I remind you that God knows you personally. He knows every hair on your head. He knew you before he created you in your mother's womb. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And then in Psalm 139, we read this. "O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. He knows you, he knows you. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You, you know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. God knows you. And because he knows you, that means he also knows all your hurts, all your habits and all your hangups. And for some of you, he even knows that you're potentially trying to hide those from other people, but you can't hide them from him. And despite all your junk, despite your, your biggest sin and your greatest regret, God still sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. He loves you that much. And he thought of you, not in an abstract sort of way. He thought of you in a very real way. Every sin that Jesus bore on the cross, it had a name attached to it. And I can assure you that our sin, your sin and mine, was very real to him real thoughts and attitudes and words and actions. It was real anger and lust and evil and sometimes even murder. Sometimes these sins would have been yours and sometimes they would have been mine. But can I remind us this morning that he wears the scars for all of them. For every sin that we've ever committed, Jesus took it on his shoulders and went to a cross with it, and now he wears the scars for every one of our mistakes. I think John Piper actually captured this personal perspective of wanting to own what Jesus did for you on the cross in his book, 50 Reasons Jesus Came to Die. He says this, the death of Christ is not only the demonstration of God's love, it is also the supreme expression of Christ's own love for all who receive it as their treasure. The early witnesses who suffered most for being Christians, they were captured by this fact. Christ loved me, and he gave himself for me? You see, they took the self-giving act of Christ's sacrifice very personally. They said he loved me, he gave himself for me? Surely this is the way that we should hear about the sufferings and death of Christ that they have to do with me and with you. They are about Christ's love for me personally, It is my sin that cuts me off from God. Not sin in general. It is my hard-heartedness and spiritual numbness that demean the worth of Christ. Friends, it is because, listen to me, it is because Jesus died in your place that the cross was incredibly personal to him. And it should be incredibly personal to you because God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now it's possible that you're watching right now and you've never fully surrendered your life to God and maybe it has something to do with one of these two words, either belief or behavior, right? And so on the belief side of things, maybe you've just lacked belief. Maybe there's been a lot of doubts. Maybe you had experiences growing up that kind of led you to a lack of belief when it comes to God actually being a loving father who sent Jesus for you. Maybe something about your life has just led you to not maybe want to believe. Or maybe you're on the other side in its behavior. Maybe you're kind of saying in your mind right now as you're watching this, yeah, Aaron, that whole forgiveness story of Jesus dying on a cross for my sins, that sounds great, but you don't know what I've done. And so maybe you're kind of thinking and you're reading your own story up until today. And based on how your story reads, you're beginning to dismiss that God could ever forgive you for the things that you've done. And whether you're in this side of the story or this side of the story, you're right to some extent. Listen to me, you're right in the fact that I don't know your story. I don't know what's caused you to not have belief and I don't know what's caused you to feel like that you don't deserve forgiveness. But I do know the Apostle Paul story. And if there was anybody who lacked belief, if there was anybody who had behavior and lived their their life out in a certain way. I mean, Paul had Christians killed. If there were any reasons why somebody didn't deserve forgiveness, it would have been the apostle Paul. And I wanna let you know, I wanna show you something that he wrote to a young man named Timothy, who was a young Christian, and he explains this. I want you to see this. He said, I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to, to serve him, even though I used to used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In other words, he used to say, Jesus isn't who he said he was. He used to tell people, Jesus is not real. He's not the son of God. And again, he would have Christians killed. And then he says, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had, had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus, he came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life, all honor and glory to God forever and ever Amen. And maybe you're watching this this morning and you're thinking, but not me. And here's what I want you to know. You're never too far gone to receive the grace of God. Can I say it again? You're never too far gone to receive the grace of God. And if you want to talk about that, I want you to, I'm going to put my email up here, write it down, email me this week. And I want to know who you are. I want, to, I want to take time and I want to talk to you about the grace of God that I have experienced personally because there was a time in my life that if you read my story, it didn't look like I deserved the forgiveness of God. But God in his great love for us sent his one and only son that despite what we've done in our life, right? What what The way that Paul says it in the book of Romans, he says, while we were still sinners, in the midst of your greatest sin and your biggest regret, in the midst of that, God still sent Jesus to die for you. And you can receive his grace today and be forgiven if you'll turn your life over to him. If you've never done that, I want to talk to you about the importance of making that decision. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna conclude by reading to us um, Mark's gospel account of the resurrection story, right? We've got four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason why I wanna pick Mark's gospel account of the resurrection story today is because it's really interesting the way that he concludes his gospel. It's with the resurrection story, but the way that he concludes it, I think is gonna be something that a lot of us, if not all of us, can really identify with today. And it'll make more sense here in just a moment. So let's read this together, beginning in Mark chapter 16, verse one. When Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they, may, they might go to anoint Jesus' body, so they would have been the original Spice Girls. That was funny right there. That, that was funny. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone that was very large had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Now, it's interesting that he said his disciples and Peter because we know that Peter was one of his disciples. And so people have asked, well, why did, why did they, they separate Peter in this particular context from the other disciples? And here's the way that I would say it. The one who hurt Jesus the most is the one who was being, being singled out for the most redemption. Hold on to that because maybe that's something that you need to hear today. Listen to me. The one who hurt Jesus the most is the one who is being singled out For the most redemption, remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, in your Bibles, you're probably going to see a footnote that says that this is how the gospel of Mark was concluded in the earliest of manuscripts, but later there were some scribes who added to Mark's gospel. And I think anytime scribes added something a little bit later, I'm not saying that we shouldn't still look to it as God's holy word, but I think we need to treat it with kids' gloves. And so let's just take Mark's account in his gospel from the earliest of manuscripts. In other words, this is how Mark concludes his gospel, and like he says, yeah, Jesus has been resurrected and he's gonna come back and appear to you disciples later. But he leaves us with like the biggest cliffhanger ever. It's like, well, what happens next? Like, what are we gonna do next? What's Jesus gonna do next? You can't leave us there, Mark. Come on, man, you can't leave us there. And the reason why I wanted to use this particular gospel account is because I think that's where a lot of us are today, isn't it? I mean, we know that God loves us and he sent Jesus to die for us. But we're kind of in this hurry up and wait kind of stage in our life. And we keep thinking to ourselves, like, God, I believe in you. God, I know you love me, but what's next? Like, what do we do now, God? What do we do next? And we're kind of just in this waiting period. And I want to be clear about something. I don't have all the answers, but I do have some. I know that Jesus thought of you when he went to a cross with your sin. I know he was willing to die in your place because he loves you that much. I know that Jesus is not in a tomb anymore, just like the angel said, but now if you will confess your sins and you will hand your life over to him, allow him to be the leader and Lord of your life, not only will he forgive you regardless of how your story reads up until today, but he'll actually come and take residence in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, ready? God is already working out what you are worried about. God is already working out what you have been worrying about. You see, God does some of his best work in a crisis. We could argue that God did some of his best work in three days with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so if God can do some of his best work in three days, imagine what he can do in your life and in my life over the next three weeks. Yes, maybe the circumstances of our life are not ideal, But let's not just focus on the problem, let's focus on the potential. A young lady in our church uh, about a week and a half ago decided that she was gonna focus on the potential of this opportunity and so she went and she decided she was gonna buy flowers for every young woman, every, every woman, every girl in her small group. And I've said this before, we can't help everyone, but we can help someone, right? And so she decided she was gonna leverage her influence and make someone else's story better that day. And so she got some flowers and she took them to every single girl in her small group's front porch. She just dropped them off on the front porch and then she got away. It's amazing how a small act of kindness can carry with it great love. Can I say it again? It's amazing how just a small act of kindness can carry with it great love. Let's not just focus on the problem. Let's focus on the potential. Let me close with this. Church, the resurrection, the resurrection isn't a promise that our lives are gonna just be full of rest and reward. The resurrection is a reminder that God will never leave us or forsake us. The resurrection reminds us that God has always been in pursuit of us and he's still in pursuit of us today. You see, the resurrection is a reminder that even in the midst of our ugliest sin, and our greatest regret, that Jesus still came to our rescue. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, uh, very unique time in our lives right now. Father, I don't think any of us could have ever predicted that this is how we would be celebrating Easter, but here we are, and it doesn't change anything about the truth that the tomb is still empty. It doesn't change anything about how much you love us, that you truly sent Jesus just, you sent him just for us, God, that we need to make this personal. The Easter story, yes, it is for the world, it is for all mankind, for those that'll believe in Jesus, but God, would you help us today to make it personal that you thought of us, that you had us in mind when you sent Jesus to that cross and every one of our mistakes Every one of our sins is now a scar that Jesus wears. Father, I pray that you would give us a posture this morning of repentance. God, I pray that you would give us a posture of wanting to surrender to you every aspect of our life. And Lord, that as we move into the future of these coming weeks that are still so uncertain, that we would make sure that it's you that's guiding us. As we talked about a few weeks ago, that you're our shepherd, not fear, not anxiety, not insecurity, not doubt, but that you're our shepherd because we know you're going to guide us where we need to go. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to um, enter into a time of response right now, and hopefully you picked up your bag and were able to get a communion cup, and you can celebrate communion with us. If not, feel free to grab whatever you have uh, in your kitchen. Uh, This is something we do as followers of Jesus and so if you've made that commitment, uh, we want to celebrate with the Lord's Supper right now. But I want to tell you a story really quick that I think will elevate what we're about to do together. Um, not in the very beginning, after, you know, after Passover happened and you know, the Exodus story, later you know, they had these Passover meals. And sometime between the original Passover and when Jesus came, they implemented something into the Passover feast called the Afikomen. And the afikomen was a piece of unleavened bread that they would take and they would wrap in linen cloth, and then they would hide it somewhere in the room and let the kids look for it. And then after the Passover was over, they would bring the afikomen out and they would celebrate uh, the coming of the Messiah with the afikomen. That was what it represented. It was kind of being hidden to them, right? This idea that the Messiah and when he's going to come is hidden. And then they would bring the afikomen, this piece of unleavened bread out to be reminded that the Messiah was going to come and to rescue them, to save them from their sin. Some scholars would suggest that when Jesus sat down with his disciples at the last supper, that when he reaches down to pick up the piece of bread to celebrate the Lord's supper, that he actually would have picked up the afikomen, the very piece of bread that represented who he was. And he would have said, take this bread, which is my body, and this cup that is my blood and remember me which is what we want to do right now if you have your elements with you we take the bread that represents the body of Christ and the cup that represents his blood spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins Father we thank you for this this supper this resemblance that we go through, reminding us that Jesus gave up his body for us. It was broken for us. That we He gave up his blood, spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins. We read in Hebrews, God, that without the spilling of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Father, we take these elements this morning and we're reminded of how important the resurrecting Lord is, the resurrection story is that Jesus really did go to a cross. It's not just a story that we tell in Sunday school. It's not just a story that we tell to make ourselves feel better, but God, this truly is a moment in history that happened. And because it happened, and because you thought of us, that if we'll hand our lives over to your son, Jesus, we can now be forgiven and have eternal life. And one day we will get to be face-to-face with him in glory. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of how much you loved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.